0: Welcome to Movie Thoughts. My name is John Hastings. This is the eighth episode of my podcast, which uh, features me rambling on random topics related to movies. Today's topic is on the question of overrated movies and underrated movies, um, or rather not so much on the m- movies, but on the, the discussion topic of overrated movies and underrated movies. So I've been talking about movies on the internet for going on all, all, you know, almost 30 years now. And one of the more popular discussion topics is, you know, what are your overrated movies? What are the underrated movies? And in the course of my time engaging in these discussions or trying to engage in these discussions, I feel it's one of the really big, the biggest dead ends of any genuine conversation you want to have about movies. Um, It's not so much, in, not necessarily as much in person. In person, the, the conversation can flow a little more. But on the Internet, I find these things really kind of deadly. And the reason is, is they're sort of, they sort of become not, they're sort of not very interesting topics, um, in the way they play out. And the way they play out is that when someone is listing an overrated movie, what they really mean is a popular movie or a popular filmmaker that they don't like. Okay. And that's fine. It doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. I think Steven Spielberg's overrated. Okay, great. Good for you. Um, underrated, maybe a little bit more interesting, but still it tends to mean A movie that I like or a filmmaker that I like that some of my friends, some critics don't like you know I think M. Night Shyamalan is an underrated filmmaker, oh great good for you, again it doesn't really get us anywhere if we're just kind of listing off our our choices and most of the time that's how those discussions go just kind of listing off, overrated underrated, no you're wrong Um, yes I'm right there's not really much else there so I'm going to kind of give an example of one of the t- kind of claims I've seen that I've that has led me to kind of think maybe in more depth about what what these mean and and maybe think in more depth about can we reclaim these concepts to kind of get at something interesting so that the next time um, this topic comes up maybe push for. Uh, push it in a more interesting direction So one of the things you'll you'll see, um, if you kind of have engaged in these conversations or start to look in these conversations is, is you start to see some pretty, in my opinion, odd claims, and a claim that I've seen a couple different times over the course of the years, is the claim um, in, in kind of discussion in, in movie discussion groups online, that John Huston is underrated. John Huston is, a you know, the filmmaker, he made the Maltese Falcon, Asphalt Jungle, Treasure of the Sierra Madres. And people say, Oh, he's underrated. Okay. So from my point of view, he's a, a widely beloved director. He made very famous movies that are known, even to you don't have to be a hardcore movie fan to have heard of the Maltese Falcon. Um, you don't, have to be a hardcore movie fan to know about the treasure of Sierra Madres. Um, His movies are praised by very, you know, popular, um, important kind of directors like Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson says Houston's a major influence. Even going back a generation, Robert Altman cited John Houston as a a, a major influence on his work. Uh, It sounds like this is a guy who doesn't seem to me to be underrated, kind of a, oh, you know, he made these classics, people love him, other filmmakers say he's great. But there is a small contingent of film critics or scholars, uh, film buffs, aficionados, who are coming, I guess I'd say, from the auteurist um, I don't want to say auteurist movement or school, because it's not really that organized, but just people who take the auteurist slant. So they're, they're kind of uh, coming from la politique d'auteur. Um, so these critics have taken comparatively a more skeptical approach to Houston's work. Um, although you know, even really hardcore arturists like Dave Kerr have said many positive things about individual Houston movies. So the claim really becomes that Houston's underrated because there's a small fraction of people who say negative things about some of his more popular movies. Um, And some of those people are happy to point out um, that there's a bunch of stinkers uh, sprinkled throughout the rest of his filmography. And some of those same people, these kind of auteur, tourist focused critics or tourist leaning critics say that, you know, yeah, John Houston, he's. He's okay, but we think Raoul Walsh is better. We think Raul Walsh is a better director. Um, you know, so and again, that's a, a small fraction of people who are making that claim. Most people, if you ask who's the better director, John Huston or Raoul Walsh, most movie fans, most most kind of general film buffs, they're going to say, "Oh, John Huston's the John Huston's great, Maltese Falcon, Asphalt Jungle." You're going to they're going to say Raoul Walsh. They might not even be able to name a Raul Walsh movie. So it seems to me that the claim that John Houston is underrated is is pretty odd. On the other hand, maybe it's not so odd in that when these tourists are arguing against Houston, that's they often are making a good argument. Um, I'm, you know, maybe biased, but um, you know, even though there's fewer in number, the the fraction of people who are tourists there is a small fraction. But their arguments often seem persuasive. And then there's a certain kind of um, a certain amount of prestige to auteurism, you know, in certain byways and alleyways of Internet discussion. So not widespread by any means, um, but in certain in certain kind of uh, areas where you've got some really um, high, highly, you know, because potent intellectual discussion going on. There are often uh, tourists there making these persuasive arguments. So um, even though the claim seems kind of odd, John Houston is underrated, seems like to me an odd claim. If you squint, if you ignore the big picture and just focus on a little corner of the world where these intense and interesting discussions about movies are going on, maybe then the claim that John Houston is underrated is at least understandable that you you'd, someone would make this claim. I don't think it makes sense necessarily, but um, at least it's understandable where it's coming from. And translated, I guess what this means, John Huston is underrated, means there's a group of critics who are otherwise pretty smart, but they they don't get John Huston. Okay. So it's a lot of effort I just put in there to kind of translate that statement out. Um, but the point is that You know, you start with one of these claims that seems odd or seems like a dead end, but maybe if we add some more context, we can make it more understandable and a little more interesting. All of these claims, though, about about anyone are are meaningless without context. And if you're just throwing out there these claims without the context, then you're not going to get a good discussion. But if you take the time to... Explore the context a little, then at least you've got a, at least you've got something you can talk about. So something else I like to use as an example about the importance of context. So I like to say that uh, Casablanca, a very f- famous movie, um, is both overrated and underrated. So why do I think it's overrated? Well, you know the American Film Institute put out their list of the hundred most best you know, best or most important American movies. And they put out two lists and Casablanca came in at number two and then number three. You know, that's pretty, that's a pretty strong statement that there's only one or two American movies that are better than Casablanca. Um, I think that's overrating it. I can think of a better Michael Curtiz movie. I think The Breaking Point by Michael Curtiz is a better picture than... Casablanca I think there are better Humphrey Bogart movies I think High Sierra um, directed by Raoul Walsh is a better um, Humphrey Bogart movie I think there's better Humphrey Bogart movies dealing with the same kind of material and milieu um, to have and have not with um, Lauren McCall and directed by Howard Hawks I think is better than Casablanca um, edges it out a little bit maybe it's a little closer there but I think it's you know I think it's uh it's, it's in the same, definitely, you know, there's a, a case to be made. Um, and so I can certainly think of at least a dozen better American movies if we just um, kind of open it up. Even two dozen American movies easily that are better than Casablanca if we just kind of open it up to any American movie. So I think there's a certain segment of the audience, the movie going, people who, who still care about movies who, who overrate Casablanca. On the other hand, I think Casablanca is also underrated, um, mainly by eggheads like me. Um, You know, you just heard me go on about how there's all these better movies than Casablanca, but you know what? I think it is a great movie. Um, It showcases the the strength of uh, studio-era filmmaking. It has one of the greatest supporting casts in that entire era of studio filmmaking. It has this really engaging iconic romance between two great movie stars as its center. Um, so I think, yeah, I think uh, probably, you know, eggheads and and more hardcore movie buffs um, dismiss it and kind of don't give it the, the credit it deserves. There's a reason why the AFI thinks so highly of it. Okay. So I think kind of depending on the context um, – you know, you can, you can look at things different ways. So, you know, do these concepts have any use? Um, You know, can we get anywhere with them? You know, I I think we can, I think we need more context. We can look at a little bit more detail about them. I think I tend to prefer thinking about, um, I, I tend to prefer to think about things that are underrated. I don't know that it's necessarily more useful, but I think it's, tends to be less obnoxious. I mean, I think it's more fun to stand up for an underdog than to take pot shots at a favorite. Um, but that my temperament, maybe, I think it's a kind of a worthy thing to draw attention to great works that for whatever reason have flown under the radar comparatively. Um, but even with underrated, when we're talking about things that are underrated. There are different kinds of things and the context is still important. And we're not always talking about the same thing. So, uh, for example, we'll start with um, something that might seem ridiculous to some people, but the movie, uh, Zack Snyder's movie, Batman vs Superman, a lot of people think it's terrible. It has this pretty bad reputation. I think um, it's actually a pretty interesting movie with some genuinely great sequences of filmmaking. I think it's a lot more interesting than most other superhero movies, so I think comp- I would make the argument that compared to other superhero movies, it's an underrated movie. On the other hand, this is a movie that made a billion dollars. So saying, you know, oh, this is an underrated movie that nonetheless was seen globally and, you know, made a billion dollars. And, you know, there are kind of hardcore fans who really like it. But So maybe it's a little screwy um, if we're saying that this is an underrated movie and then we compare it to a movie uh, like – Um, this movie uh, Rudderless which is a a small you know independent American movie it's directed by the actor William H. Macy it stars Billy Crudup Um, I think it's a terrific movie I'm not sure that anyone but me and like three other people have seen it Um, you know it's one of those movies I watched and I wondered why it didn't get nominated for an Oscar uh, let alone why no one has heard of it so I would say like you know, it seems to be underrated, um, but um, in a different category from Batman versus Superman. And then also, even though, you know, I'd say, again, it's this underrated movie. I think kind of, you know, like I say, you know, Billy Crudup should have got an Oscar nomination for it. The four of us who have seen it all really love it. So so is it, it may not even be that, oh, it's underrated so much as just not seen. You know, it's less about the how, what people what value people are placing on it than than whether they've when the more of the um the distribu- distribution issues so we can kind of start to get a list of of kind of different ways or reasons something might be underrated so you can have something like batman versus superman where you can say i think it's underrated compared to other movies of that type compared to other movies in that genre or 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 um you know, do the same type of thing. You know, I think Batman versus Superman is an example of that. And we can all probably have other examples. And if you kind of delve into that and give the context, you can start to get a sense of um, what are the different values uh, that audiences tend to have, critics and audiences tend to have for things in that genre. So, for example, I think that one of the reasons Batman versus Superman is underrated is that I think Batman versus Superman has a really terrific visual style and a sense of visual storytelling. A lot of the scenes are really powerful, uh, powerfully filmed. I think the script has issues in terms of some of the storytelling and in terms of some of the character motivations, but you know, compared to other superhero movies like the Marvel movies, for example, those movies tend to have very little visual style, very little sense of visual storytelling. Um, Though maybe we could argue I, – I wouldn't necessarily argue it, but I think the, its fans would argue that the, that the, the characters are kind of – motivations are more clear and the, the story points are all more clear. So I would say that by talking about why Batman versus Superman is underrated, um, we're really making an argument of I think that visual storytelling should be valued more than it is um, in this genre. Um, by by the by the public or by critics at large so that's my argument that's where we get from that so we can move to another type of underrated that's like the rudderless underrated this is an underrated movie because of obscurity um, you know this is a movie that maybe people would like or if they could see it but you know they haven't seen it and so that can kind of get us down a, a conversation about what leads to movies being seen or not seen and all the different questions that film distribution kind of brings up you can even break that down into a greater context you can think of movies that are obscure but have a cult following um or movies that are obscure but they're really directed at a small audience anyway so we'd expect them to be ob- kind of obscure you know and, and does that really mean you can even question does that really mean they're underrated a movie that's you know really directed at a tiny audience would we expect it to be kind of widely beloved another way to use this concept is to talk about an underrated movie within a director's uh, work so this is kind of relatively underrated Um, an example that I would use would be um, you know the the Coen brothers are everyone loves the Coen brothers they've made a ton of you know uh, movies that a lot of people like Um, I think that one of their less well-reviewed movies, a movie that people didn't really turn up to to see in droves, was um, the pretty recent Hail Caesar, which I think is as good as any of the movies they've made recently. So I think kind of relatively compared to their other movies, Hail Caesar is very much underrated. Um, although I, uh, again, it's a a, a movie that, that um, people have um, definitely a movie that people have seen or know about, but I think kind of didn't kind of take the or uh, didn't quite appreciate in the right way. And I have kind of my theories about why that is. I'll probably save those for another uh, another episode, though. Um, another another category. Moving to another category of underrated movies that are underrated because the movie is kind of divisive. So this is when you have those like. Um, you know, you can look at like the if you, the tomato meter, that the fifty percent tomato meter, but the fifty percent who liked it love it, rabidly, and then the fifty percent who don't really don't like it. And you know, that seems to be a an interesting case. Is it underrated, or is it just not for everyone? You can think about movies that are just beloved by fans, but but really not liked by other people. I think the Resident Evil movies are a good example of movies that a lot of horror action movie fans think are really terrific, but they're looked down upon by almost everyone else. Um, you know, I think they tend to be underrated uh, because of that, even though they do have that, you know, even though you do have that fan base, that's very positive for them. Um, another example maybe a little, a little bit more, um, a little bit more respectable is, is something like the movie we on the night by James gray, which Um, on the you know the Rotten Tomatoes score are are sort of average but if you look there's the people who like it think it's one of the great movies of the of the century and the people who don't see it as a the people who don't like it see it as just kind of a generic you know cops and criminals movie and you know I'm one of the I'm on the side of thinking it's you know underrated and one of the great movies and I feel that the, the the people who don't see that or kind of seeing it just as pretty generic are really missing a lot of the subtleties. Um, so that's kind of where I would take that, you know, the, the, that's where I would take that observation that it's an underrated movie. Um, and then another, I guess, uh, another one, not the last, you know, we could kind of keep going on, but another thing would be we're talking about movies that are underrated when you've got really an example of, of what, in your opinion, is a truly great, world historically great movie that for whatever reason isn't ranked as highly as other movies that you think it should be ranked against. And my go-to example for this is um, the Andre de movie, Day of the Outlaw, um, from that greatest of all movie years, uh, 1959, which is oh, oh, it's a Western, and I think it's as good as almost any other Western ever made. You know, I think it. you can name your favorite Western or the movie you think is the greatest Western, The Wild Bunch, Stagecoach. Um, the man who shot Liberty Valance, Red River, um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. You know, I think um, you know uh, Seven Men from Now. You can name any uh, Comanche Station. You know, any kind of movie you think is this is the, this is as good as westerns get, and I think Day of the Outlaw really compares well with those. It's I think it's on the same stage as those. Um, you know, and then you can. In that sense too, we can also um, you know use this to not just talk about individual movies but you can take in a whole director's career or actor's career um, think you know speaking of day of the outlaw, I tend to think that you know Robert Ryan he's beloved by film buffs for sure but just the fact that he never really crossed over into the into the into the consciousness of the more general film fan um, as one of the great leading men of of Hollywood means that I'd kind of make the I think I'd make the argument that I think he's relatively in that sense underrated because I do think he is um, you know should be ranked up there with any other of the really uh, top leading movie star actors of of, uh, of Hollywood whether you know whether we're talking um, Humphrey Bogart or Spencer Tracy or, or Cary Grant even you know I mean R- Ryan's style is different from all of theirs but I think he's that that kind of that um, that's his stature to me as an actor so with those, all the underrated stuff um, I can think overrated is just kind of that in reverse I think with overrated that's always seems more likely to stir up an argument um, with, you know I think it is more taking pot shots I'm not as big a fan of it um, however I think you can still use it um, to draw attention to a specific issue, I'll try to do that right now. For example, this is me. You know, uh, I, you know, this isn't. This is an example. I believe. So I'm going to talk about something I think is is actually overrated. I, I tend to think that right now, at least, and for the last, you know, um, for the last several to a dozen years, Stanley Kubrick has been overrated comparatively as a filmmaker. And that's not to say that I don't think he is not a great filmmaker. I think he's a one I think he's one of the great filmmakers of his of his generation. I think he's overrated because I think he tends to get elevated above those other filmmakers of his generation and I think that the that the myth of Kubrick has really tightly captured the collective minds of a wide a wide portion of of film fandom. So, you know, you know, he has the you know he he has a lot of constituencies he's got egghead constituents and tech heads people are really into the the you know the getting their getting their home theater perfect to to screen um their you know clockwork orange blu ray um the the kind of film bro film Joe demographic um you know are all big fans of his movies so they all kind of this kind of you got know, this perfect storm of constituencies of all all pushing this myth of Kubrick. Um, you know, his movies are really ripe for this kind of endless discussion and interpretation and dissection, which I think has been encouraged by internet, uh, you know, kind of internet message awards. Um, so I think you've got a, a again, um, this, the, the situation we find ourselves in and how we talk about movies and who are the people who are really, engaged in talking about movies, Kubrick is is right there for them to put up on a pedestal. You know, he's, his work is perfect for it. Whereas, contrary wise like I said, I, I you know, like, I think he's great, but I think he's... There's a bunch of guys who are as great or maybe even better who don't have that same myth behind them. So Robert Altman, for example. I mean, everyone loves Robert Altman. I, would, I could never say he's underrated, um, except that I think compared to Kubrick, if even if to no one else, uh, I think he is underrated. You know, I think he's equally as great a director, easily equally as great of, of an author, but he's working in a different mode. Um, his movies don't really necessarily benefit from being dissected and interpreted in the way that Kubrick's do. Um, his A lot of his greatness lies in his mood, in, in the performances, in the kind of moment-to-moment shading and ambiguity of his movies, um, less so much in, in meaning with a capital M you know, to, to, to dissect. Um he's also more prolific than Kubrick. He took more risks. Um, he has more movies that even his diehard fans don't really like to defend. I mean, I personally love OC and Stigs and a perfect couple, but there's a lot of very passionate Altman fans who who think he made a bunch of of stinkers um, and I can't necessarily blame them. Um, and so so for those reasons, you know, he doesn't have this myth around him. so I think again, comparatively, underrated if we're talking of if we're comparing him to Kubrick. There's other filmmakers who I think are again in that category I could use instead of Altman, but I think with Altman it's pretty clear. So it's only in this very specific context that I'd make those arguments, that Kubrick is overrated and that Altman is underrated. And I've got a specific reason, and my reason is, you know, to suggest maybe the artists who are praised the most are the ones where those praiseworthy qualities most align with these other values of the culture or subcultures at large, I not even maybe their values, but just happen to mesh with the context of where this discussion is taking place. And I think that's maybe a hard concept to accept, or it can be a difficult concept. But it's, I think, it's an interesting way to get to the, from that, you know, statement. Kubrick is overrated. We're trying to get to someplace a little bit interesting. Um, you know, it's hard because if you're invested in the context, then this argument sounds more provocative. Um, people might be a little defensive, but I think that's kind of always going to be the case with kind of the overrated argument. You're always going to get some defensiveness from people who are genuine fans. Um, another kind of useful way to think about overrated, um, you know, uh, it turns out if you kind of follow the film festival, the world cinema film festival circuit for a while, you there's a tendency every couple of years or every season to discover a new master. You know, we've got these masters popping up all over the world, master filmmakers. Um, and it strikes me that, you know, there's actually a pretty big incentive for film festivals to have a new master, you know, every couple of years. So maybe to say like, oh, so-and-so, and I'm not going to – I won't name names here, but you can fill in the blank of whoever, you know, whoever you think uh, – you know, has been overrated by these film festivals. You call attention to it to the fact that you know maybe there's an incentive to have a bunch of masters. So maybe calling attention to that fact um, that there is this incentive is a corrective for for making us kind of see um, things a little bit more realistically. Um, having said all that, you know, in terms of this overrated stuff, I'm I'm much more sympathetic to the idea. You know, I'm I I like to I, I prefer to praise things rather than take shots. So I'm more sympathetic to the idea that there are filmmakers who I think, you know, you can't overrate. You know, some people might put Kubrick there. I don't, but for, for me, you know, those filmmakers are like Ozu and John Ford, Tse-Yajirai, you know, Jean Renoir, um, you know, unoverratable as far as I'm concerned. So that uh, leads, that's about all I have to say about that. Um, my, just to, to sum up, you know, I think that these are Kind of popular topics because you can kind of have a list, but I think they tend to be dead-end discussions. Um, so then I would encourage you that the this, these topics come up again, the overrated, underrated, um, to think about the context. If you're, you know, don't just list, oh, I think uh, Michael Bay is um, underrated. Explain more. Why do you do that? These, you know, what what's the the context of that? You know, I think Steven Spielberg is overrated. Well, why? What in what context are you talking about? Um, try to uh, explore a little more. Provide the context, and through the context, you maybe can get out of this dead end conversation and into something where you're actually talking about. Um, you're actually making, you know, kind of getting into the different things people value about movies and different things um, uh, people uh, value about, about filmmakers in turn that gets you to maybe thinking about what are the, you know, what are the reasons for those values? What are the, what's, what's driving um, the, the, the relative worth we place on different styles and, and different types of movies. Okay. That's all I have to say for today. Take care. This is the hidden track bonus segment. This is just where I recommend a movie that's currently available pretty widely on streaming. So today I'm just going to recommend the movie, um, The Commuter. It's on uh, Amazon Prime streaming. So this is a um, Liam Neeson movie with the director, um, Hame uh, Wom- H- Um I've liked their. This is you know I've liked their other collaborations. This is like I think the third or fourth movie they've made together but this is the first one of their movies that I think I'd want to watch again. Um, you know, it has a ton of great suspense highlights. There's an opening, um, in very inventive montage sequence that really gets at the kind of uh, existential drag of a daily commute, kind of the the, the little differences, but the, you know, the little differences not really making much of a difference in the overall sameness. It has a terrific... Um, kind of faked, you know, uh, put together by CGI, but, but still really well choreographed one shot uh, fight sequence. Um, you know, it really the, 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 the choreography of the fight is, is terrific. It really has a dramatic uh, sweep to it. Um, uh, that you usually I usually think of in, in, in great Jackie Chan movies have that type, same type of sweep to their action sequences. Um, you know, it works through all the available permutations of how the, the a conflict can play out in a given setting, and there's this dramatic escalation as it goes. Um, I think the plot is pretty predictable. I don't think that's really a strike against the movie, though, just because the, the moment-to-moment choices are really the ones that make this type of movie interesting and engaging. And I think moment-to-moment, um, the filmmakers and the actors are making really uh, in- engaging choices. So that's my recommendation for today, The Commuter. Take care.